Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Why don't you turn with me in your Bible to John chapter 1, and we're going to read from John chapter 1, verse 35 through to verse 42. And today I'd like to talk about bringing people to Jesus. Bringing people to Jesus. We're going to be talking about a lesser known disciple of Jesus, and we'll see how his life teaches us that God can use all of us to bring others to Jesus. And we read about him in John chapter 1, verse 35 through to verse 42. Let me read it to you. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. This is John the Baptist. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, he said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated, Teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and see. What a wonderful invitation. Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour, which some versions say about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. And you will be called Cephas, which is translated a stone or a rock. We're going to look at three things about Andrew in this passage of Scripture. And they all start with a C. First of all, we see his character, we see his conversion, and we see his calling. Now, first of all, let's talk about Andrew's character. And we introduced to him in verse 40. In verse 40 it says, One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. We're introduced to Andrew in this verse. And another disciple. Who was the other disciple? We could probably make a guess. And most theologians or scholars say that it was probably the disciple John who wrote this gospel, who often throughout the gospel conceals his identity. I think as an act of humility, he, he does that. But he was tempted to make sure that at the end of the gospel, when he talks about Jesus' resurrection and Peter and he running to see Jesus had risen from the dead, says that the other disciple, referring to himself, outran Peter. And, uh, and so, you know, he was a very real person, but also chose to conceal his identity. And we introduced to Andrew, and Andrew's name means man, masculine, or brave. And Andrew, the Bible tells us, 
in this passage, and even though it doesn't use it in the verses that we read, often when you read your Bible, it's titled, Jesus Calls His First Disciples, and they were Andrew and John. He's often referred to as Jesus' first disciple, and I think that was brave. If you think about that, he was the first follower of Jesus, the first one who, who said, I'm going to follow this teacher, this Lord, this rabbi. And, uh, you know, the Bible says that Jesus didn't have anything about his own personal persona that attracted men to him. And it was an act of faith, being the first disciple following Jesus. When you get to heaven and you meet Andrew, remember that he was the first of millions and hopefully in the future billions of followers of Jesus Christ. You and I are disciples too, followers of Jesus. And he was the first, he followed Jesus. He wasn't well known to, the, to those who read the first gospel. In actual fact, he had to be introduced by association. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He wasn't known in his own right. I remember recently going to Leicester in the United Kingdom, the, in England, and to a leaders meeting. And it was a group of churches that my son Jordan was a part of. And for the first time in my life, I was not introduced as Rob, but I was introduced as Rob, Jordan's dad. They didn't know me, but they knew my son. And that was a really proud moment. It was a moment when I realized that the role had been reversed. Instead of Jordan often being introduced as Jordan, Rob's son, now it was Rob, Jordan's dad by association. So even though he wasn't well known, he was one who had a huge impact in the Gospels, as we will see today. The second thing I'd like to look at today is Andrew's conversion. And we read about it in the verses that we looked at earlier, verse 35 through to verse 39. First of all, we see in verse 35 and verse 36 that he heard the Gospel. He encountered Jesus through the witness of John the Baptist. John the Baptist whose mission and purpose was to come and prepare the way for Jesus to be revealed. He said, I'm a voice crying in the wilderness. Make straight the path for the Lord. Prepare the way for the coming Messiah. And then in verse 35 and verse 36, we see that Andrew hears the gospel in verse 35 and 36 and again the next day John stood with his two disciples now notice it starts that verse again the next day it was the second time he said what he said about Jesus the next day he looks at Jesus walking and he says behold the Lamb of God now, if we went back to verse 29, which we won't do right now in our, in our Bibles or on the screen, but in verse 29, he adds this phrase, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now that, in essence, is the good news, the gospel, which basically means good news. The good news is that we have a Lamb of God, one who's come and he's laid down his life, for us on our behalf he's come to pay the price for our sin but not just for our sin for the sin of the whole world and he doesn't just cover our sin for a day he takes away our sin what a wonderful message that we have 
that whatever you have done, whatever you have said, whatever you feel guilty about, whatever you feel shame about, Jesus, the Lamb of God, has paid for that all, once and for all time. He takes it away. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sin from us. Even though our sins are as red as scarlet, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, he washes us pure as snow or as pure as wool. Isn't that amazing? It really is amazing. It was the gospel. He heard the gospel for the first time. Now, how many of us are grateful that we've heard the gospel? Absolutely. What about you guys at Waterfront? Are you grateful that you heard the gospel? Absolutely. I think more of them put up their hands than, than here. Uh, but uh, but uh, we'll soon find out about that, okay? But um, he didn't just cover their sin. He paid the price once and for all time. And then we see in verse 37 through to verse 39, we see that he responds to the gospel. This is his conversion. He became a follower of Jesus. And remember, he was the first follower of Jesus. For there to be a leader, a master, a teacher, a Lord, there needs to be those who submit to him and follow him. And you know, you and I can be a part of making something happen as we step out and begin to follow Jesus. And we see in verse, 30, uh, verse 37 and 39, then Jesus turned and seeing them following him, said, what do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, it was a, they were coming to him and they were, they were submitting to him. They said, Rabbi, uh, where are you staying? And Jesus said, come and you will see. What a wonderful, wonderful phrase that is. They heard the gospel, they followed him, and they confessed him as their teacher. And that's our response to the gospel. Each one of us need to, need to do that. We need to be able to hear the message. And, uh, and faith comes by hearing, the Bible says, and through the, th hearing through the word of Christ. And then the Bible says we need to believe in our hearts and we need to say with our mouths that Jesus is, is Lord. And we need to then make a decision to follow him. The good news is presented to us and then we need to personally make a decision to respond to that good news. And that's exactly what Andrew did in this case. And then in verse 39, this wonderful phrase, Jesus says to them, come and you will see. And I think we need to understand that our conversion is not just, our salvation is not just salvation from sin, but actually salvation to a relationship with Jesus. Come and you will see. I love that phrase, taste and you will see that the Lord is good. Psalm 34 verse 8, come, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's so much more. It's not just what we saved from, it's what we saved to. We save from sin to righteousness, to a right relationship with God. And he's calling us deeper. He's calling us to come and see and experience and spend time with him. And it says they abided with him. They spent time with him for the rest of the day. And, uh, and it's not just for the rest of the day, but for the rest of our lives. He's called us to have a relationship with him. You see, that's what it's all about. Christianity is not religion. It's not keeping a bunch of rules or regulations, but Christianity is this. It's being called into a wonderful relationship with God through Jesus Christ. In 1 
Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9 in the Living Bible, the New Living Bible, it says this, God is faithful who has invited us into a wonderful friendship with his son Jesus. And that's what happened. They came into this relationship with Jesus as the first disciple. He was converted. And I love the way the Bible says again and again, come, come and experience more. In, in Psalm 27, verse 8, the Lord says, Seek my face, and our response is, Lord, your face will I seek. He's called us to come. He's called us to come to him for relationship. He's also called us to come to him to be equipped and prepared to go. The Gospels start with the, with the phrase, come, and they end with the phrase, go. You see, it starts with us coming to receive, but then because we have received, freely you've received, freely give. There is more for us to experience. And my third C is Andrew's calling. So we've talked about Andrew's character, Andrew's conversion, and then finally we see in verse 41 and 42, we see Andrew's calling. As a follower of Jesus, we see Andrew had a Ministry of bringing people to Jesus. As the first disciple, he shows us the first priority of a disciple, which is to bring people to Jesus. That's why we've experienced the joy, the peace, the, the purpose, the, 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 the forgiveness, the love of God is not just for us to hold for ourselves, but to be able to share freely with others. Now, you might have thought you were going to get away with just three C's, but I, I just want to throw in four P's today. <laughs> and we see four P's about the calling of a disciple. First of all, in verse 41, we see the priority. When we become a follower of Jesus, our priority in life changes. He becomes first. The word Lord means total owner, master, leader. When they said rabbi, where are you staying? They were saying, we want to follow you. And when we respond to him and we say, you are my Lord, my Savior, my friend, I want to follow you, our priorities in life change. Look at his priorities in verse 41. It says, he first found his own brother. You know, when we become followers of Jesus, we want others too to become followers of Jesus. His first step was, where is my brother? He's got to experience what I have experienced. Who is our own brother? Who can we introduce to Jesus in our life circle? Who's the person who works with you in, in your place of work? Who's your next door neighbor? Who's your family member, either on the island or on the other side of the world, that you can bring to Jesus? Our priorities in life change. The second thing we see is his procedure. In verse 41 and 42, the beginning of verse 42, it says, he found his own brother Simon, and he said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. His procedure was he was intentional. He said, the first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go and find my brother. What I've experienced, I want him to have too. And he goes and he finds his brother. He went and he found Simon. We don't know how far he went. We don't know what Simon was up to. 
but he intentionally went and sought him out. And he told him about Jesus and he brought him to Jesus. And then we see at the end of verse, of verse 42, we see the third P is the word personal. Simon needed a personal encounter with Jesus. Now, if you've been invited to Lighthouse Church today, it's because the person who invited you loves you and wants you to experience what they have experienced. And you know, we need to have a personal relationship with God. This morning, here at St. James uh, Congregation, we prayed for the children before they went out to children's ministry. And James, not the saint James, but James Matheson, prayed, Lord, thank you that they found you young and can live for you long. But you know what? For each of our children, they need to encounter Jesus for themselves. Jesus has children. He does not have grandchildren. And he wants each one of us to have a personal encounter with Jesus. And that's what happened to Simon. Simon encountered Jesus. Look at verse 42. When Jesus looks at Simon, he says to him, You are Simon, the son of Jonah, and you will be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. I love that. We see something of the past, the present, and the future. First of all, the present. You're Simon. And, uh, and I, I understand that the word Simon, the name in, in this context, meant you're like a reed. You're tossed to and fro. You, 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 you swing with the, with the currents. You're Simon. And then he told him something about his history or his heritage. You're the son of Jonah. Told him about his history, the past. And then he told him about the future. You shall be called Cephas or Peter. You'll become a rock. You'll become a stone. And when we personally encounter Jesus, something wonderful happens. He knows everything about us, but he, he looks at us with acceptance and with love. When I was reading commentaries about this passage, when Jesus turns around to these two disciples who were trying to follow him and says, what are you seeking? He wasn't saying, what are you guys doing following me? Leave me alone. The tense in those words was one of invitation. It was one of come and experience more. And the Holy Spirit is doing that for people all around the world. He's calling people to him. Come, what are you seeking? What are you looking for? I have the answers. Come and experience all that I have. And when he sees Peter, he looks at him with compassion and he says, I know who you are. I know your faults, I know your failures, I know you have a tendency to be, to be tossed by the wind and the waves, but I have a wonderful plan for you. We see that he experiences new life and he experiences a new identity. And then the fourth thing we see about Andrew's calling is it becomes a practice. It becomes his lifestyle. His priority, we see his procedure, we see that it's something personal, that he couldn't experience it on behalf of his brother. But he could bring his brother to Jesus. And then we see his practice. We see that Andrew was used by the Lord to bring people to Jesus. It became his lifestyle. And as we begin to read through the Gospel of John, we see in John chapter 6, verse 8 and 9, when a there was a multitude that were hungry. 
It was Andrew who brought a little boy and his lunch of five fish and two loaves to Jesus. And Jesus used that to feed the 5,000. You know, he was able to bring the, the meager resources and, and ensure that those were placed in the hands of the master who multiplied them so that those thousands of people could eat and be well fed and have their needs met. Would there have been the miracle of feeding the 5,000 if Andrew had not brought that little boy to Jesus? We see in John chapter 12, Andrew introducing some Greek people who were looking for an opportunity to meet Jesus. He brought them and he introduced them to Jesus. And in the same way, God wants to use us to bring others to Jesus. Our friends, our families, our neighbors. He wants us to bring them to Jesus. My question for us today is who can you bring to Jesus? Think about it for a moment. And I think it's, it's good for us to regularly have a person that we are looking at the opportunity to bring that person to Jesus. Not in a sense of trying to manipulate a situation or coerce them, but to invite them into the wonderful relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. When I was 15 years old, I gave my life to Jesus. I grew up in, in a country called Rhodesia. It was a segregated society at that stage. It's now become Zimbabwe. And um, I grew up in a situation where I didn't have contact with people who, who were different to me, different racial groups. I didn't have much contact growing up. And, uh, and then I went to a youth event. And at this youth event, I was invited by some friends. They were doing a presentation of the life of Jesus through the eyes of his disciple, Peter. It was called The Witness. It was song and dance and testimonies. And I heard the gospel for the first time in my life. But what struck me more than hearing the message was a group of young people who, who had a relationship with each other that I knew I needed. The Bible says that God shows his love to the world through, through his disciples who love one another. And I knew they had what I needed. I had no church background. I'd never been to church. or hard, I'd probably been to church twice. I, I had no church background whatsoever. And I encountered Jesus. And he filled a void in my life that nothing else could. I knew I had what I needed. I knew on the inside I had peace. I didn't understand it all up here, but I knew down here in my heart, I knew that I'd found the way, the truth, and the life, a relationship with God through Jesus. My life purpose changed, and my priority then became to bring other people to Jesus. As a result of that, my mom, who's now gone to be with the Lord, gave her life to Jesus. My little sister, who's now a bit taller than me, to be honest, but still my little sister, okay, gave her life to Jesus. My dad was a little bit more stubborn. For 35 years, I prayed for my dad. And about two, maybe three years ago, I got a, a message from my dad that he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And because I had brought him to Jesus in prayer for 35 years, God engineered a day when he had a conversation with somebody in South Africa 
who led him to Jesus. My question is, who can you bring to Jesus? Now, I'm praying for other people by name. And, uh, and I think it's important for us to be intentional about introducing people to Jesus. There's two ways we can do this. Number one, we can pray for them by name. And number two, we can invite them to come to something where they can experience Jesus corporately with other believers. We can invite them to Lighthouse Church. And you know, a great time to invite somebody to Lighthouse Church would be on the 15th of December for the Christmas carol service. That would be an awesome time to bring somebody because who doesn't want to sing Christmas carols? Who doesn't want to eat mince pies and drink a bit of mulled wine? I don't know if you're going to drink mulled wine or not. But who, wants to, who doesn't want to come and have a good cup of coffee and have a good sing-song together? And I can guarantee you that they will see people who've grown up in different parts of the world who have one wonderful thing in common, and that's a friendship with God through Jesus Christ. And they'll be drawn into a relationship with him. They'll have an opportunity to respond to him. And I want to encourage you today, both here at St. James Congregation and at uh, Waterfront Congregation, or if you're watching this by video today, I want to encourage you just for a moment to pause and think about who you would like to bring to Jesus. Think of their name. If you've got a notebook or something, write their name down. And I would encourage you to begin to lift them up to Jesus and pray for an opportunity, either for you or for somebody else, to share God's goodness and love with them. Everybody knows they're sinners. Everybody knows they've got issues in life. But what we need to do is we need to tell them the good news. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So right where we are, why don't we do that? Just, uh, just where you sit, why don't we ask God to give us the opportunity and boldness to tell others about his goodness and his love. Father God, we ask you today to give us an opportunity, to give us boldness, to tell other people about your goodness and love. Our desire is to bring our friends, our family, our neighbors, our work colleagues to you in Jesus' name. We thank you that prayer is not limited by distance or by time. Prayer is us coming and saying, Lord, we trust that you can do what we cannot do. Prayer is us coming and lifting up people and saying, Lord, we want others to experience what we have experienced. And right now, just under your breath, say the name of the person or people that you are praying for that they would come to Jesus. And I ask Lord Jesus right now as we lift up their name before you, that you know them. You know their present. You know their past. And you have a wonderful plan for their future. We bring them to you now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, I ask that you'd use us to be the answer to someone else's prayer. That when prompted, that you would give us the opportunity to share good news with strangers. 
that perhaps we could be the answer to another believer's prayer to tell their family member about the goodness and the love of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.